The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Hey, it's Kyle Meredith, host of the Kyle Meredith with podcast, presented by WFPK at WFPK.org and the Consequence Podcast Network. It's a series that puts the spotlight on iconic musicians and actors, inviting them to drop by and talk about their latest projects, whether it's albums, TV shows, films, or beyond. I'm going to say something I don't want to say. Here it goes. Without Spinal Tap, there is no Tenacious D. Whoa. <laughs> Man. We get great stories and the biggest scoops from people like Garbage's Shirley Manson, the 1975's Matty Healy, Jack Black and Kyle Gass of Tenacious D, Maya Hawk, Kiefer Sutherland, and everyone in between. New episodes arrive every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, so it's a great way to keep up with your favorite artists and discover some new ones. You can find Kyle Meredith with on the Consequence Podcast Network or wherever you get your podcasts. Journey through the stories that define the artists playing Bonnaroo. Who are they? What are they? What will you see? The what? Which bands? This year? That matter. Yay. With Brad Steiner and Barry Corder. You know, Barry Corder, love can be found in so many strange places in life. Rest stop bathrooms, workplaces, the grocery store and a chance encounter. Or backstage at Camp Nut Butter. Yeah, that's exactly right. In the middle of a Tennessee summer in 2018. I was thinking driving over here, Brad. Yeah. The power that the What Podcast has. Yeah. What's that? How's that? These guys, nobody knew who they were. Oh, is that right? Yeah. The TV time. Yeah. They come to our camp at Nut Butter. They come out of Bonnaroo and suddenly everybody wants them. The thing about love is that it creeps up so quickly and then it hits you like a ton of bricks and it doesn't let go and it's there with you for the rest of your lives. And that's how we feel about the guest that we have set up for today. The very first ever repeat guest on the What Podcast, ironically enough, repeating is repeat, 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 repeat. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, let's uh, let's start off by uh, telling you who we are. I'm Brad Steiner from uh, WDOD Radio in Chattanooga, Tennessee. That's Barry Corder from the Chattanooga Times Free Press. This is the What Podcast, a podcast that focuses on the bands that matter this year, primarily that play at Bonnaroo, a podcast by Bonnarooians for Bonnarooians. Even if you're not a Bonnarooian, we appreciate you checking us out. Uh, listen to some of the others uh, that you may or may not care about. We've got uh, we've got some good shows back there. If you want to s- stumble through a few of them and check out some uh, some history along the way of uh, our other artists that we've talked about or uh, other Bonnaroo tips that we've given, festival tips, etc. Uh, one of the episodes you can go back and listen to is a show that we did live on this live on site of Bonnaroo last year. It was the very first ever, I think, I mean, I've been there for a long time, first ever backstage podcast interview of a Bonnaroo podcast in the history of Bonnaroo last year. I think you're probably right. I don't know who could prove us otherwise. <laughs> you know what? It's sort of like Donald Trump. It really doesn't matter. I can say whatever I want. We we stumbled across them, right, with Bonnaroo Yes. Right? Yeah, last Literally, year. It was one of our Bonnaroo finds and then reached out and ask them to join us uh, back in camp, and we found out. I'm sure we'll talk to Jared uh, about it when we speak, but 
their motto is yes. They they are the most agreeable. What's the word? Accessible. Yeah. People that I've ever dealt with. Ever. And, ever. And we just like them. Yeah, that, that's the other thing, too. It's amazing what the power... And Look, there's a common theme when it comes to repeat, repeat. It, it's not just yes, but it's also love, right? It, start, it starts from a place of, of absolute 100% love between Kristen and Jared, who are a husband and wife who, who lead the band, and what they're willing to do for you. It's yeah. all from them loving them, each other, them loving their product, and them loving you as the person who's investing in their product. I and, think we made fun of them, didn't we, during that podcast, because they're so... Lovey-dubby. They are it's all disgusting. over each other. All over each other. And look, we thought they were newlyweds. I, I've spent plenty time, plenty of time with them since then. They're always like this. They're <laughs> always like this. They're just happy people. And it was, uh, we had a ball. I mean, yeah. they, they came back and visited with us. And then pretty soon we were swapping craft beers and sure. then they were back and visiting some more. And yeah, let's, uh, let's set the table a little bit and start over so that uh, you, you understand what we're going for here. Um, now, we know that Repeat Repeat not playing Monaru this year, but when I talked to Jared the other day and he told me what his plan was for Insert New Album and their new single, uh, we immediately said, well, you need to come back and talk to us about the, about the new, new project because A, not only is it damn good, but it's also, he's got a lot of perspective when it comes to Bonnaroo. Yeah. I love their Bonnaroo story because we talked to them, we talked about them in the Bonnaroo Let Show from last year. We stumbled upon Girlfriend as a song that we really liked. We went to the show, we really, really liked the show. We talked to them uh, before their show, backstage at our camp, and they were unbelievably gracious. They right. couldn't have been nicer. They sat there for 45 minutes in our dirty, rotten camp. and <laughs> Then we were swapping phone numbers. Yeah, and then and then it became like a, like a friendship. And talking to him subsequently in the months after Bonnaroo, I will never forget, I sat at down at dinner with him. It was the wife's birthday, and we all had a birthday dinner. He looked me in the eye and said, that Bonnaroo show changed our lives. That's that's where I thought we were going. Yeah, that, and, and I, I joke a little bit about the power of this podcast but that Bonnaroo for them and for other bands but they they're the ones that we know of specifically playing a show like that can change your career mm-hmm. and it did for them mm-hmm. um, we're going to talk about not only the new record but who produced it yeah um, all of that comes out of the excitement that was generated uh, walk the moon similar right you know, instance with right that first Bonnaroo experience that type of thing can um, it puts a band in front of a lot of people it puts a band in front of media, yeah. legitimizes, whatever you want to call it. It can be that springboard, and, right. and it certainly seems to have been for these guys. And we're going to jump into some of the stuff that they did on site with Jared when he uh, gives us a call here in a second. But I want to, before we do that, I want to give a little bit of backstory too. When they were backstage at Bonnaroo last year, I've never, ever seen an artist more. Yeah. They were everywhere. Every time you turned a corner. Every single day they were there hustling, yeah. talking to every piece of press. They literally, there was not somebody that they would say, and you said it earlier, yes, they would not say no to anybody. I, I kept asking, Jared, Kristen, you guys going to, what show are you going to go do? Well, we'd love to go see it, but we're going to go talk to um, Dumbledore Magazine. Yeah, yeah. Uh, hang on one second. They'll be back there in an hour. Well, it'd be Dumbledore w- once, and then the, the day after they talked to us, was it Rolling Stone? Rolling right? Stone calls him. Yeah. yeah. And then Billboard. Rolling Stone found out we had talked to him. Yeah, That's I'm sure. I'm telling it. Yeah, it's, just, it's amazing <laughs> because, I mean, if you, not only do we have Bonnaroo listeners or Bonnaroo fans that, that listen to this, but we also have musicians. If you need a crash course on the way to get your name out there, 
follow repeat repeats model because as as people who do this for a living, there's nothing we love more than an easy get. Absolutely. We need easy gets. And repeat repeat not going to lie, was an easy get because they said yes. We didn't know why they said yes. We didn't <laughs> right. even know who they were. Right. But because they said yes, right. because we We've just- We've never done a podcast from camp, but that would be a novel sure. idea, and, and they just were the first ones. Yeah, and because absolutely. And because we hit it off, I will be a fan. I will prop them up, and I'll do anything that I can for the rest of my career. If you are a musician, take that to note. Take yeah. that piece of advice that Repeat Repeat is, is giving you, and do it. Just do that playbook because you never know when you're going to make a contact that that could do something for you. Absolutely. The only thing that I like as much as the easy get is following an act. From birth. From birth. Right. To superstardom and and all the way through. I love that. I don't, to me, that's the fun part of the job. Yeah. Um, And I I remember when we spoke at Camp Nut Butter with them about this, yes being their motto, they play just as hard for one person. That's right. In a small club as forever. I mean, they are serious about, yes, that's that's their motto. You never know that that one person might be that guy or one of you that's know, right. four people. Now, we're not that guy. We're not that guy. <laughs> we're not that guy. But you just don't, you never right. know. You, you never, never know. know. So hopefully we'll talk to uh, Jared and Kristen from Repeat Repeat here in a second. Definitely got Jared. I don't know if Kristen's going to join us. I know they're very busy this weekend with the, their big single being released and uh, the subsequent steps that their career takes after this album. Drops in a couple of weeks, but we also have a very special guest. We're trying to incorporate you, the podcast listener, each and every week. And this week, we've uh, uncovered a, a guy that's got a pretty fun story. Yeah, Brandon Best uh, reached out. He's from Flint, Michigan, paramedic professionally. So we thought it'd be kind of fun to get his perspective mm-hmm. and tips on yeah. on how to do a festival like this. We now know that we need to look up and try to order some banana sacks. Yeah, right. <laughs> Hey, that's not Barry talking dirty. Right, right. You'll, it's not. It's not underwear. You'll you'll understand more here in a bit. <laughs> Plus, uh, we've got a little bit of homework for you, the what podcast listener for next week's show that we will talk about here in a second. But first, let's talk to Jared and or Kristen from Repeat Repeat. Hi, we're great. How are you? What are you guys up to? Are you in the van right now? Yeah, it's yeah. awesome. We're driving. <laughs> Let's do the woods. So before before we start, just to, to paint a picture of where you guys are, you're leaving the house, which is this uh, palatial estate northern uh, in northern Nashville, with the whole repeat family in the most amazing van I've ever sat in in my life. Please explain how great this van is. Uh, well, it has several benches. It had we call it the Chateau lobby, uh, based off of Father John Misty's song. Uh, it's got a couch in the back and an ottoman and tapestry curtains and about 200 buttons. Every time we get a button from a show, we put it the roof. We put it in the roof of the van. So, trying to make a little button museum. Nice, excellent. Yeah. A whole yeah, button, a whole button museum from the places and the people that you have seen before. One of which being Bonnaroo. Uh, 2018. Now, before we get into uh, how uh, amazing your life is uh, today and how amazing it's going to be in the future, let's talk about before Bonnaroo and the conversations that we've had um, maybe before, but not necessarily in this format. The the show that you guys had before Bonnaroo, the, the band that you had before Bonnaroo, and then the show at Bonnaroo and what happened in the immediate aftermath. Explain you know what that whole process was like, and guys, I need I need you to confirm because I 
I claim that it's being on this podcast, which coincidentally happened during Bonnaroo, <laughs> that actually launched you guys. So I need you to confirm that for everybody. <laughs> Consider that confirmed. <laughs> um, yeah, I think when we, when we started, the band prior to Bonnaroo, you know, we were like lost in the desert. And then we came and... Uh, we did this. We did y'all's podcast, and now our eyes have been opened. I feel like we've we've become better songwriters because of it. <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> I, I feel like uh, our comedic timing is better. Oh, sure. And you know, uh, grass we, grass is I, a little greener, sky's a little bluer. Yeah, every the food tastes sweeter. The shirt know? the shirt has gotten more stripes on it, and somehow, yeah. how's that possible? Yeah, there's yeah, it's like so many stripes. Family of baby stripes now. Everything is blocked. Yeah. It's really exciting. Um, but also, uh, that could have also just been heat stroke. Sure, exactly. Yeah. Uh, but honestly, before Bonnaroo, we, you know, we were working our way up the ladder that is the music industry, and we always are. We still are. We're never. We're never not improving. But uh, I think there was a moment. When we got on stage at our show on Sunday, well, we knew what to expect a little bit because we played Thursday night for the Rue Bus, which if you're, if you are, if Wednesday night, I'm yeah. sorry, if you're yes. like a Bonnaroo veteran, if you want to see what like the, the Rue vets do, go on Wednesday night and go to the Rue Bus and go party with them. Um, and we got to play on the farm that night. And honestly, we were the first band to play all of Bonnaroo last year because no other bands played Wednesday night. So we got to play out in the campground. And that kind of gave us a taste of what to expect the whole weekend. And then we were just surrounded by the energy and the, the magical power of Bonnaroo all, all the rest of the weekend. And then we got to play our official show on Sunday. And I feel like we walked off the stage a different band. And I think, I think people took notice. I know Rolling Stone took notice. Yep. And, uh, you know, I, it's, not, it's not been the same since, frankly. That's awesome. That's awesome. It, it's, the, it's the power of a festival that you guys had wanted to be a part of for so long, too, right? Oh, absolutely. It was sort of one of those things that we, we knew we were reaching for, and, you know, we, we thought that we could get there, but also it seemed like this far-off land that, you know, was, was maybe even pretend. It was part of the reason I moved to Nashville. No way. Uh, when I, yeah, because I, I knew three things. I, I didn't know a single person when I moved to Nashville at all. I didn't know where, how to make it in the industry. I, I don't have parents in the industry. I, I literally had no textbook, no rule book, but I knew three things. Paramore was from Nashville, Kings of Leon was from Nashville, and Bonnaroo was in Nashville. So I was like, all right, that, that sounds like a good trifecta. So they're doing something right. So I... I that's part one of the three reasons I moved here. So to get to play it was a game changer. You know, it was surreal. We talked about leading into uh, talking with you guys how your motto is yes and how important that has been for the band. Yeah, I think um, if you think that you know every single, you know, answer for every single part of it, then you're really doing your music and yourself a disjustice. So I think it's important if 
like, you know, surround yourself with the right people, whether that's in music or at a music festival. And then from that point forward, trust the process and just say yes to as many things because you just never know how good something can be or can become if you if you go into it as, with more of a yes than a no. You know, but see that's but see that's sort of the a testament to you guys because you know there was not and we talked about this a second ago. There's not been an artist that I've ever seen, leader, at least at Bonnaroo, but frankly anywhere that hustles as much as you guys do or did at Bonnaroo. You said yes to everybody. You wanted to talk to everybody. You were willing to get your message out to to frankly anyone. And I always thought that was a hustle, but now that I know you guys, I think it's just who you guys are and willing to give whatever you have to the moment in which you're living in and not letting a moment go by without maximizing the potential and what it could give you in your life. But I, I think a lot of that is an attestment to the fact that we're not, um, Jared, what's the word you always use? Self, um, like I said, we're not self-sabotaging. And so we sort of at the end of the day want to know that if this ever, you know, doesn't get to the places that we're trying to accomplish with it, it's not because of us. It's not because we didn't say yes or, you know, we'll do whatever we have to do. Yeah, and also I think, too, the the music and, like, the overall just energy of, of the whole thing is an extension of our life, right? So, uh so to get to go and do all these interviews, uh, it feels just like Chris and I get to go have conversations with friends, and we're just so lucky to get to talk about something we got to make. So I don't know. I, I don't know if, it, if part of it's because neither of us come from, like, you know, famous backgrounds or anything, or if it has something to do, just do with we're, we're always, like, really high energy and, as the kids say, sometimes a little extra. But we... <laughs> We, we're just always, we always feel like really privileged that anyone wants to talk to us about our music. So we, we want to be as like open to that as possible. And honestly, Bonnaroo wasn't the first time we did that. We played Forecastle the year before and we did 24 interviews in 12 hours. And then I think we went to Slossfest in Birmingham right after Bonnaroo. And we did something like 15 interviews in like four hours. So we, we... Uh, it's a great way to get our name out there, but also we just, anyone that wants to take five, ten minutes out of their day to come talk to us and write about it, we feel like super spoiled to get to do that. And yeah. we don't want to ever take advantage of that or take that for granted. You know, I, 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 sitting here listening, realizing that we've talked about how hard you guys work off stage. I don't know that we've really said it's a great show. It's a really good show too. Yeah, you, got, you gotta bring. Kind of you gotta. You know, you can't just talk the game. You guys, it's a fun show. It's great music. It's a lot of fun. So, you know, for well, people out you. there listening, uh, yeah, yeah. I just we. Um, I don't think we've said that. <laughs> well, thank you. Well, Rolling Stone kind of like we said, we've never been the same band since Bonnaroo. Rolling Stone, in all the best ways, kind of fucked us because they called us Bonnaroo's most enthusiastic band. <laughs> and do you realize now every single show, like if I'm sick or there's 10 people in the audience, <laughs> anyone there, those 10 people are expecting Bonnaroo's most enthusiastic band. Yeah. <laughs> they, they set a bar to say the least, but I think we feel, we feel ready to, ready to meet it. Yeah. I mean, we, we, 
I don't know. I, we want to we want to reflect the energy we want to see in the audience. And so I don't know if you if you go to a show and the band doesn't seem like they're having fun, however that looks. Yeah. Well, you had, you, had like, to, you had to cut out all the emo songs, huh? All the all the mopey yeah. stuff. Well, that, well, that and you got you got to outdo yourself every single show. So like, uh, hey, Kristen. So uh, last night I smashed my guitar into your keyboards. What should I do tonight? Let's set it on fire. Yeah. Every night it's got to be yeah. something. Yeah, but that kind of makes it super fun for Kristen and I and for our band. I think it makes it a little nerve wracking for our management, but every show is a little bit different every time. I mean, we don't have like some shtick where I have like some scripted thing that I'm going to say or whatever. I don't know. It's just we go off the top. I, I, to that, I will say because of that, Jared is an inherently funny person. And a lot of times people don't realize how much I'm trying to not lose my shit laughing at him. Yeah. Because he will do he will do things sometimes that none of us are expecting, and we can hardly hold our reactions. Yeah. I feel just very lucky that I get paid to get laughed at by my wife. On stage. <laughs> I, I feel that way. At my Who doesn't job. want that? Yeah. <laughs> I feel Jared, that way. Jared, I can't even get mine to listen to my own radio show. So you're doing okay. <laughs> I always. I well, feel, I'm we all get laughed at by our wives, yeah, right? It's yeah. just I get paid for it. I, I feel yeah. lucky when she laughs because that means she's not. Going for the skillet or something because of something I've said. So. By the way, skillet. By the way, skillet is code word for something on Barry's body. By the way, no, uh. no. It's, you know, it's it's, fun, it's funny to hear you say that, Kristen, because that's exactly what you said after the show here at at uh, at Songbirds. It, you just had no idea what Jared was going to do every night, so it was always a surprise. I, I started somewhat acknowledging it every now and then because I'm very. I'm very transparent. You can tell exactly how I'm feeling at any point. And sometimes I just can't resist cracking up at him. So. <laughs> That's but. good. Yeah. Hey, so so we've um so now that we've settled the Bonnaroo thing, uh, I got to imagine you guys are living in a little bit of a haze right now. Uh the past week you you released your new single. Uh, you had Billboard write a very nice article about you and the new album, the new the new project, and then you got your music video put on Billboard.com, and now you are looking, you know, at the next twelve months of your life, probably set in stone for you, and you're just sort of like a cog in a machine. So first off, let's talk about how how excited you are about the new single. Tell me about the new album. How did it come to be? Let's just let's just start from the beginning. Well, we're also in a haze because we just woke up this morning and our friend Michelle Branch shared the video and how much she loved it. And that was just, it took our breath away because like, That's awesome. uh, you know, I don't know. It's just like, oh yeah, here's Michelle Branch just yeah, <laughs> that happened. Music, yeah. So. That happened. Yeah, exactly. So. <laughs> he didn't. He didn't feel that way when he didn't feel that way when I shared it yesterday. Yeah, I mean, what that's... happened? What happened? <laughs> oh, I, I did. I, I, I cried. Okay, but not, not warm and fuzzy. No, oh, yeah, I understand. Yeah, <laughs> I felt feelings. I felt, I felt those feelings in my skillet. You know what I mean? Oh, nice. <laughs> it's like the Matrix. It all started in a weird spot. Hits you right in the skillet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right um, in the skillet. So we. Uh, yeah, so we're really, really fucking excited for the single. It's called Hi, I'm Waiting. And, um, yeah, it's about, you know, it's a theme I feel like a lot of people can relate to, uh, at least people like me. It's a, it's like feeling really longing for someone that may or may not know you exist yet. So, you know, it's just like I, I think it reflected 
similar feelings to like when Kristen and I met and just, you know, wanting her to fall madly in love with me because I was madly in love with her and just waiting for her to catch up. When I think of you two and your relationship, unrequited love doesn't come into the picture. About two months in the beginning that I thought he might be too good to be true, so I was cautiously optimistic. <laughs> well, we, we joked before, you, you know, talking to you guys today and even back at Camp Nut Butter, how you two act like uh, you're on your honeymoon all the time to the point where we had to make you stop. <laughs> It's it's a lot of giggling. It's a lot of giggling. It's like and, being and with high school kids. It's giggling and soft, like oh, stop it. It's a lot of that. Yeah, it, it, yeah, it feels like that. Uh, I don't, I don't know, man. Like honestly, like uh, I, there's, I try to tell people not to base, not to use us as like the, the, what's the word, the example, because we're weirdos. But like, we haven't spent a night apart in eight years. Oh yeah, and yeah, that's right. It, it, yeah, so. Version of like weirdos now. Yeah, I mean, like I think it's normal for people to be like, I need some time alone, but we've just never felt that, and and we yeah. work together. Yeah, no, cool. And and, good, so. and I said this earlier uh, when you guys uh, earlier before you guys called, but everything starts with you guys with love. Uh, the 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 middle of the circle is love, and everything sort of surrounds that and circles yeah. that over and over. And I'm hoping that's going to be the same thread that I can't imagine. Not it's not, but I got to imagine that's the same thread that's going to tie this new project, this new album together, right? Yeah, actually, quick story. Um, our so we just moved and we just got so we last time we talked to you guys on the podcast, we were about to buy our first home together. Then we came back from Bonnaroo. Went on tour for six weeks, closed on the house, and then we came home and made a record in the middle of moving. So we would move in the middle of the night an hour away and then wake up at 6 a.m., feed the pets, and then head out to the studio for a 12-hour day and then move again that night. So we did that, and then my sister-in-law came and stayed with us for about six weeks. She's getting ready to go to France for the summer. We hit this really weird time just externally you know, cars breaking down and house problems, you know, with first, your first home. And like, just like, I remember at one point I was trying to change the oil in my car and my car broke and I was covered in oil and I was getting rained on. And right before I feel like really good, amazing things happen, seemingly really like difficult things happen, you know? Mm -hmm. And it was just a really hard time externally, you know, just, right. with, you know, like mer Mercury and retrograde kind of shit. <laughs> You know, yeah. and my sister-in-law, right before she left, she she was like, she was like, she was watching it, you know, from, basically from afar. And she said, like, uh, at one point I heard you in the other room, like practically sobbing. But then you said to Kristen, I love you. And she yelled from the other room, I love you, too. And she was like, that was really sweet. That's true. I don't know. It's just like, even in our like hardest time with like whatever's going on and this industry's not for the faint of heart. I don't know. We're n we never lose sight of that part. So right. I think that plays a role in our music and it only played a role in this song um, because originally the song before we sent it to Patrick was going to be about a stalker. <laughs> so it didn't really reflect us at first. Every time we try to get away from that subject, people will let us, it's, it's like like people that have their kids on a leash. They'll let you go a little bit of a distance, but if you go too far, they pull you back. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so every time we try to go a little bit too far away from that topic, whether that's if we try to, you know, get politically charged mm -hmm. or talk about, you know, you know, I mean, there are plenty of songs that are we have that are not about us. Yeah. yeah. And 
anytime we try to do that, people are like, okay, cool. For this next one, let's go back to, like, what makes you guys, like, the essence of you guys. So At That's- one point, Patrick Carney said to us, he said, you're, you know what your story is. It's you guys. He's like, people want to hear that story. And I was like, I, are you sure? <laughs> I, mean, like, <laughs> I mean, like, people aren't, like, sick of this, like, the big part of it. And he's like, no, that's the story. Like, stop trying to, like, make it something that it's not. So, I don't know, we just embraced it. And um, so I changed it from being a song about a stalker to being a song about, you know, uh, that unrequited love in, a, in the early beginnings of, like, a relationship. When you fe- started writing the album and you started putting together your thoughts and what you wanted this to be, when did Patrick Carney from the Black Keys find himself in this in this role that he that he eventually became? That was like six months before Bonnaroo, so we had actually had two. We had two of the singles recorded that are going to be coming out soon. Uh, two singles recorded. The two songs we played at Bonnaroo, actually, that were new. We had those recorded. And so, yeah, about six months before Bonnaroo, he had heard some stuff of ours. He had heard about some of the shows we were playing and all of that. And he wanted to meet us. So we met. And then we did these two songs. And that turned into like a 3 a.m. text of him asking if he could do the whole record. And we got that news, I think, like, the week before Bonnaroo. So we came into Bonnaroo knowing we were going to go do a whole record with him. And it was 20, 12 hour days. And it was um, the most life changing 20, 12 hour days that we've ever spent together. And he has since become like a family member to us. That's unbelievable. Was there, was there a moment where you questioned any of it? Was there a moment where you said, I don't I don't know if this is going to be right, but we're just going to trust the process and go with it? I think the only part of it that we questioned, because, I mean, there's not a lot to question when, you know, someone like Patrick asks to work with you. There, there was no question in working with him, but more so a question about we had never this had always been sort of a self-contained songwriting operation. Jared would, you know, write the structure and a chorus, and then I would kind of, you know, edit words that felt funny or, um, you know, I I always like to add, you know, I help make choruses big and things like that. So it would, it, it always stayed between the two of us and our um, producer Gregory, who had done the first two records with us. So, like, the first thing that we put out as a baby band and then our first official record with Danger Bird that we put out in 2017. So I think the process we knew was going to be totally different than anything we had ever done. We knew we were going to be writing in the studio because we had something like 22 demos, but no no finished songs, whereas with the last record, we had been performing the whole record out live and then went to record it. This album was about, you know, several months before we saw ourselves trying to get into the studio. So we had plenty of material, but we knew it was going to be a lot of picking through that material and working closely with someone. We were trying to just sort of psych ourselves up to be ready for that process. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also, per- personally, it was challenging for me uh, because uh, in the last record we did, Floral Canyon, uh, 
so like I I played guitar for 15 years and I studied guitar in college and stuff like that. So guitar has always been the thing I felt like set in stone about, like really confident in my abilities. And usually vocally is where I feel like shaky. And so with Floral Canyon, I nailed the guitars, but it was where the, it was the vocals and Kristen and I's harmonies that took a lot of like tweaking and, you know, behind the scenes, like, you know, figuring out well, what, you know, is Kristen going to sing a third here or a fifth or whatever. And with this record, it was totally opposite. The vocals came super fast. I felt like Kristen and I were super in sync with the like singing and our harmonies. A lot of the vocals on the whole record, we sang at the same time. And I felt like we, you could feel that vibe and the energy. But Patrick broke down my guitars uh, in the best way, but it made me question my ability at times because he, he would tell me, you know, he would say, you're thinking of the song as a guitar player. You need to think of the song as a listener or mm. as a songwriter. Mm-hmm. And so I would start to noodle or I would overthink it or I would try to make it like a guitar song. And he would be like, no, this needs to be a pop song. This needs to be a song for the masses, not just for the guys who, you know, read Guitar Player Magazine or something. <laughs> so I would take, you know, and sometimes I would take four notes. And I would be like, how about this? And I would practice it all night and I'd show up to the next day to the studio and I'd be like, how about these four notes? It's only four notes. And he would be like, that's too many notes. It needs to be two notes. <laughs> and that was a big challenge on me because I feel like almost every day in the studio we'd go home feeling fulfilled, but feeling I would feel exhausted and feel like, am I even a good guitarist? Like maybe I'm overthinking it. Maybe my, maybe my skill set is like not not where I thought it was. But then... Patrick just would keep reaffirming it and when we would get something right or when we would get a take that we all felt was good, he would really drive it home that that was, you know, really strong and really good. And frankly, I walked out of that, I I finished that record and now I feel like I'm a better guitarist in the right way. You know what I mean? Interesting. Yeah. Like I know all the, I knew all the scales going into, I knew scales and how to play solos going into making this record, but now I feel like I can make, any record going forward, thinking of it as what, how does the guitar best complement the rest of this record? And I mean, and I wrote guitar parts. That's how egoless, you know, <laughs> he was in oh, the wow. process. So it's interesting and to hear because as part of you know, this is what I I do is my job at the paper is interview bands all the time, and the whole songwriting recording process fascinates me because it can change from year to year, album to album, song to song. And it, it's interesting to hear how important a producer or, or letting somebody else into the process, you know? I mean, we've read about bands who changed where they recorded. You know, they was, sometimes they'd go to an island, sometimes they'd go to a house, sometimes they'd go to somebody's basement just for a different vibe. Um, right. And just changing, I mean, it... it it takes a lot of trust to, right. to bring that's in the, somebody like Patrick or anybody uh, right. to, to, to mess, well, with, mess with your baby, so, basically. It, it can, and, and it can mess with your head. It's like he's so pa- Patrick is so passionately obsessed with music, and frankly, we thought we had the record done in, was it 15 days? Yeah. And then a week went by, and he called us back in, and we went back in and rewrote and re-recorded two songs on the record that we thought were done. And they're better songs now because of it. Um, because he obsessed over it. And until it's right, 
you know, it like doesn't sit well with him. And, um, and because we say yes, like we were like, sure, let's go back in. And I don't know, I don't know how other artists do it, but, um, we didn't want to be too precious with it, you know? We didn't want to be like, well, this is our record, or these are my lyrics, or this is my guitar part. Like, it yeah, I mean, Patrick played guitar on it, and part, I mean, like, I would sing a part, and then we would end up being like, no, Kristen should sing that part. And I would write a lyric, and we'd be like, nope, scratch that lyric, let Kristen write the lyric. Like, I think taking all the ego out of it made it something that we are most proud of, and it will make it make us better musicians going forward forever yeah, you know and that's um, awesome i was glad to hear you yeah and yeah interesting to hear you use that word precious i i'm, I'm name dropping but i interviewed glenn tilbrook of squeeze um years oh, ago cool. and, I, and i asked him what you know what happened what was it like after the world started calling him the next lennon and mccartney and he said every word became too precious mm. right and i thought wow I, that put it right you know nailed it right there yeah. but uh that's what can happen. Yeah. And, you know, we wanted to make, we didn't just want to make a repeat, repeat record with Patrick's name on it. We wanted to make the absolute best record at this chapter in our lives uh, that we can make, you know? And I think some people may, may misconstrue, especially now that Patrick's back in the limelight with that new Black Keys single, which we feel it's the same way you described our song, Brad. It's like, I, t- I told Patrick, it's a grower, not a shower. You know? <laughs> I was like, it, we, I said, I liked it when I heard it at first, and now I love it. Um, it's one of those things I think some people think of Patrick as maybe difficult to work with or kind of an asshole, but we had, because we approached it ready to soak any knowledge we could like a sponge, we never experienced anything like that um he he was absolutely like wise and hardworking and passionate and generous and kind and you know but he also cared about the product and he cared about making this thing really good and i guess some people could have misconstrued that but we we took it as he was passionate and and because of that i think it's like i think we bonded over that and i think you know, we were ready to learn, and it, and we we took it as you know he really feels something about this music and this record, and we were ready to like you know push ourselves to the breaking point if we had to. Well, that's that's the part that I wanted to pick up on when you said he really believes in this record. How did he find you in the first place? Now, uh, before you answer that, I find it to be really odd listening back, knowing that Patrick did this album. And knowing that information, I went back and listened to Floral Canyon and some of your other stuff. Man, there were some, like, traces of Black Keys already in you guys. Like, you guys already did, like, some of the driving uh, drum lines and the hooks stacked on top of hooks stuff already. Yeah. Outside of Girlfriend, outside of Girlfriend, that was sort of you guys' – you guys had that already in you. So I got to imagine he saw – he saw a little bit of that when he heard you and said, yeah, I want to be a part of this album. Yeah, I mean, we've both been fans of the Black Keys since the beginning. I mean, how could you not? But, I mean, Jared has seen them at the Ryman and, you know, 2011. On the and Brothers Tour. On the Brothers Tour and things like that. So, yeah, we've always been fans. And, um, yeah, that's I, definitely always been there. 
I don't know how exactly he took notice to to us, what, what the specific thing was. There's a rumor that he saw our, our audio tree performance, um, and that was one of the things that he kind of took notice of. Um, he also, like, uh, he also, you know, had seen kind of the year we had. We had, we had, by the time we started working with him, we had at least announced Bonnaroo and Flossfest, and, um, you know, we had a successful run at South by Southwest and all of that. But also, you know, it wasn't like he wasn't both feet in right off the bat. Like, like my, like we talked about with Kristen, he was, uh, cautious, cautiously hopeful or cautiously optimistic. So, you know, we walked in the first day uh, and just played him demos. And I probably had 50 demos in my phone. And, and you know, I would play him a demo. He'd go, ah, that's, that's not good. That doesn't have a hook. You know, try something else. And I'd play him another one. And I don't know, man. I don't know if, like, because I grew up or I went to school for music, you know, and I had professors that would – you know, they cared about your ability and your skill. And because of that, they would be very, they would critique things and they would be very critical at times. So I learned how to take criticism constructively. And so we, we did one song and we thought that was going to be it. And then he texted and was like, let's do another. And then he texted and asked our permission if we could do a whole record with him. And the whole time we were just like, are you kidding me? Like, I saw you at a sold-out show at the Ryman. Like, you're one of my idols. Like, yes, of course you can. But I think because he approached it that way, I don't know, it just felt like a mutual respect. And he said, your music's cool, but I can make it cooler. And we said, that's awesome. Awesome. That's Let's cool. do it. <laughs> that's a great so. story. It, that I love that. It, it doesn't fit my whole The What podcast narrative, but I like that story <laughs> a lot. <laughs> That's fair. He did say at one point, he said, we played him, you know, he said, I listened to Floral Canyon. And he was like, it's good. He's like, but um, I want to make a record that people can take mushrooms to. Oh, good. Okay. It's not a, yeah, it's not a psychedelic record, but it's a record that I feel like you can take and see. And then, you know, you can, you'll see rainbows coming out of the speakers, you know? Nice. Nice. Uh, well, you guys are walking rainbows, right. so rainbows that makes unicorns. a lot of sense. <laughs> yeah, Kristen's a unicorn, Jared's a, a rainbow. It it just works. It just works. Thank you. We were individually those types, so when we found each other, it felt a little bit like, you know, like an 80s movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good. All right, like so. Pure magic and awesome soundtrack. So first off, uh, well, to, to wrap things up, we really appreciate you guys, not only uh, your work, not only your time, but also as friends. Uh, we love you guys a lot, and we appreciate you guys uh, being so important to the history of uh, this little show, but also in our lives in general. What is the album going to be like? Uh, what can we expect? Um, what's the release date? Um, what's your plan for the next few months? Okay, so the release date for the album is May 31st, and you go and pre-order that uh, now. You can go to repeatrepeatmusic.com and pre-order that. There's also merch bundles and stuff uh, if you want to get all that. And also, in the next month or two before May 31st, uh, if, if, you, if everyone listening out there, if y'all dug high, I'm waiting, just you fucking wait for the next three songs we have coming out before the album because... Uh, we feel like 
to put it this way, High I'm Waiting is the first track off the record, and uh, I think one of the best reviews we got from a close friend was, uh, High I'm Waiting is great, but the album only gets better. So uh, if, if y'all like High I'm Waiting, we, the band, I think Patrick, uh, feel like that the, the songs coming out next are only going to are only going to be stronger rainbows and stronger unicorns of what, what we've done. Um, so we're really excited about all of that. And we have some incredibly huge news that we can't share yet. Mm. But, uh, but we will be sharing very soon. But okay. very, very big news that I think uh, all of the listeners and all of uh, and you guys will be very excited to hear. So... Mm. Stay tuned for all of that. Boy, I have and a feel. Also- I have a feeling. I know what this is. If I know this industry, I think I know what you're about to say. When when is this little piece of uh, information dropping? I can't say. Okay, you can't even say when it when you can say. Okay, all right. I've already said. I've already said too much. Okay, but it will be. But the the world will know probably sooner than later. All right. That's here's all what I'm doing. Like- Here's what I'm yeah. doing, Jared. I'm writing down yeah. what I think the announcement is, and I'm showing it yeah. to Barry. Now he's going to have to put on his reading glasses. Um, but that, what do you think about that? You think that's what it is, That'd Barry? Be a good guess. Okay. Would, All right. Yeah. I'm writing it down. I'm putting it in the annuals of the What Podcast annual book history thing. And if I'm right, I'm going to somebody's owing me a drink. Yeah, that's fair. Okay. Yeah, I think it's very owes you. Okay. <laughs> All right. I also just want to say yeah. we made a brief five or six point list for new Bonnaroo people, new Roo goers, and some tips from us because we just prepared not knowing what you guys would want to talk about. Uh-huh. Sweet. Bonnaroo Justice. Sweet. So even so I can either send you the list, or we can tell you the list. How about the? Is it? it let, let's do this. Is it a list that you guys have made as tips for Bonnaroovians, first timers, or just in general? Yes, Bonnaroovian okay. first time. Well, I have I have an idea. If you if you yeah. don't mind, I let's yeah. let's do this. Let's wrap up this conversation and let's yeah. let's pick it up next week, and you can be our guest for Bonnaroo first timers. And give us your list, that ex- uh, specific list, next week on the What Podcast. Yeah, what do you think about that? That's our theme for next week. What do you think? So. There you go. That sounds perfect. That sounds great. And we'll be probably in the in the midst of South by Southwest, so we'll be able to give you a fun update on that. That's awesome. And um, before we wrap, too, we just want to say to you guys, both of you, thank you guys so much for being fans and being friends and for being with us and doing that first podcast with us at a very integral point in our career. Uh, very excited that you wanted to do it with us, yeah. and we continue to be excited when we get to hang out with you guys. Yes, and thank you guys for being such lovers of music and for putting out such a great podcast. I know the listeners are thankful to you guys as well, and the, the fans of Bonnaroo are as well. So keep it up. It's We'll we'll do episodes with you whenever you want. There are not uh, two more charming people in all of the music industry that I've met, at least, than uh, the kids from Repeat Repeat, Mr. Repeat, Mrs. Repeat, the entire Repeat family, (laughs) of which I feel very honored to be a small part of. I feel like I'm part of the Repeat family, like one of the dogs at the house. I agree. I agree. They're a lot of fun, and they're very, very sweet people. So uh, that uh, was uh, was a lot of fun. Uh, We're going to talk to Brandon, a uh, paramedic who's uh, appeared at uh, 
who's uh, been to a few Bonnaroo's in his past, uh, coming up here in a second. But first, we've got a little bit of uh, homework for you, the What Podcast listener. Uh, and of course, as always, you can drop us a line, thewhatpodcast.com or the what underscore podcast. Drop us a line, and uh, we'll immediately get you in for Bonnaroo tickets with camping passes. We've got GA passes to give away like we did last year. So you just, all it takes is just dropping us a line, say hello, uh, give us a story, give us some feedback, or... You can uh, fulfill our homework assignment for you this week. Next week, we want to focus on Bonnaroo first-timers. Last year, we did a Bonnaroo first-timer show. We uh, focused on Bozzy. Next week, we're going to talk to my buddies at AJR and uh, maybe a surprise guest and maybe a Bonnaroo first-timer from last year. What I was hoping is to supplement our Bonnaroo first-timer show. Give us your advice for a Bonnaroo first-timer at the whatpodcast.com or the what underscore podcast. You know, I, I was thinking about that. It's changed Be- because of the changes that the festival has done to the site with the additions of things like the store, the laundromat out there and, and stuff like Flushable that. toilets. Flushable <laughs> toilets. You don't have to bring nearly as much as you maybe did before. It's a good point. I found myself bringing much more garbage, goofy stuff <laughs> yeah, yeah. than stuff that's actually necessary. Like I don't, I can't tell you the last time I really brought food. That's exactly what I was thinking. I bring snacks and now I, I plan to eat at least one meal, maybe two meals a day in Centeru because the food is so good. It's so good. Go in there and buy something. Yeah. Know, get a spicy pie or a... Yeah. I, and, and honestly, when I'm waking up in the morning, I really just don't feel like eating. No, I don't eat a lot because obviously you don't want to spend your days in the... It was flushable or not. You're trying to position your body for the maximum <laughs> right. that you can for the day. It's better to, to eat mini meals or small meals throughout the day. Energy I do that I do that in my regular life. Yeah. I mean... But, uh, things like that, you don't need to bring a lot of that. Water, golly, the first couple of years was such a, that was what everybody was concerned about. Yeah. Bring water, bring water, bring yeah. water. Because you had to walk a half a mile or two miles right. or whatever to get ice, mm-hmm. you know, and it melted by the time you got it back. Boy, that's a good question. How is the ice situation out there these days? I, I don't think it's as bad. I think that's what I mean. With all the water stations that they have, uh, I think there are more ice. Is it still $10 a bag though? I have no idea. We haven't, I mean, I've never bought it i my biggest tip that i read before i ever came was buy a case of ice uh, or bottled water and freeze it yeah and then that becomes your ice in your cooler and it doesn't get everything wet when Mm -hmm. it melts and you drink it as you go through that's been huge for me that works great yeah, so uh, that's what we're looking for. We want your Bonnaroo tips. And you're right, Barry, but I didn't even think about that. My advice to a first-timer, it was advice that I'd be giving to me as the first-timer 14, 15 right. years ago. A first-timer that went for the first time last year and is doing this all for the second time is giving somebody advice this right. year for a first time. Totally different totally world. different world. I didn't even think about that. Uh, we'll hear Brandon talk about tarps. That's still legit. Tarps, 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 tarps. Shade. Yeah. Uh, I've, you know, I've told you my first year only because it was in the truck mm-hmm. already. The only shade I had was an umbrella, <laughs> which, I do. We, which we I strapped do to story, a table and then walked around or moved our chairs around it like a, like a sundial. sundial. <laughs> yes. I just, it, if you've ever seen Barry Corder, Barry Corder holding a little umbrella and just traveling in, in a circle, like going around so with the globe is the strangest sight I've ever thought of. I was thankful for that little patch of shade. <laughs> that's insane. All right. So that's what we're asking you to do. Drop us some uh, Bonnaroo first timer tips that you would give and we'll read them next week during our Bonnaroo first timers episode starring AJR and some of the Bonnaroo first timers that we're focusing on, uh, focusing on to uh, see at the farm in 2019. But until then, 
Let's talk to Brandon. Brandon, a, a paramedic, been to Bonnaroo a few times before. Our spotlight on you, the What Podcast listener. Hello, Brandon. Hey, guys. How's it going? For guys out there listening, Brandon uh, is uh, a listener who emailed us, and we've gotten so many emails and so many people uh, happy and willing to be on the show, which is cool. Yeah, it, it's a lot less work for us. It's a lot It's really less exciting. <laughs> but this one, this one is not one that I would have thought of on our own, I don't think. But once you reached out, I was like, man, that's perfect. Brandon is a uh, paramedic uh, who volunteers, right? Is it volunteer work or are you paid? Um, Well, I get paid. I work in the city of Flint um, in Michigan here, so I get, I get paid there, but not at the festival. Yeah, that's what I mean. Obviously, yeah, I would yeah. hope you get paid as, <laughs> in Flint. <laughs> hey, sometimes it's volunteer. My daughter uh, worked with the uh, volunteer program at Bonnaroo, and I was surprised to learn of all the uh, people in the medical profession who volunteer to work there. I was surprised until she explained it, but uh, you guys get to hang out, you get to go, but it's kind of also your reason for doing the job, right? You guys like helping people, so what better place? Well, I, yeah, I didn't, unfortunately, and I went, I volunteered at Electric Forest in 2017, and I didn't get to volunteer as a paramedic there because it was sort of a different company. But I still volunteered, and we did a bunch of other stuff. Like, we helped clean up the grounds, and we sat in, like, the VIP areas and um, did and, like, ran the stores for them. It was, it, was, it was still a pretty cool experience. Have you ever volunteered at Bonnaroo before? No, I had a couple okay. of friends who volunteered at Bonnaroo, and they were all trying to convince me to go to Electric Forest, which is about two and a half hours from up here in Michigan. Yeah. I didn't really want to because I'm not into EDM as much as I am now at that point in my life. Yeah. And uh, they just convinced me to volunteer because it was basically a free ticket. And I went and I ended up loving all the music there and, and the ground. So it was awesome. Yeah, Barry's uh, daughter being a volunteer uh, coordinator and then me having friends that actually volunteer volunteered and then the third level of it when we talked to Paul Janeway last year about his <laughs> his festival experience as a as a volunteer it sounds like just a really difficult life <laughs> I don't know how Electric Forest does it, but Bonnaroo does you 12 hours on, 12 hours off, and then uh, you got to do that for a series of, you know, I guess three or four days, and then you're there the whole week before. Is that pretty much how Electric Forest works? Well, it's the same company. It's like Workforce Exchange or WET is what they call themselves. Yeah, Bonnaroo is different. I know when my friends did Bonnaroo, they had to go like three or four days before and help set up. And they got to leave. And then, um, but at Electric Forest, it wasn't like that. We uh, we got three eight-hour shifts. They did. You couldn't. You could specify who you wanted to see, and they they try to work on your schedule. Right. And so we got three shifts that were eight hours. Um, and luckily for us, they were all between like noon and eight. And in Michigan, it's like you know eighty degrees at that point in the year, so it really wasn't too terrible. It doesn't sound terrible. That's the problem. Right. It doesn't sound right. terrible. It sounds perfectly logical, especially when you're telling a kid who doesn't have much money. Uh, that they can go for free when they're 19, 20 years old. And then when you're actually doing it in the Tennessee heat, it's uh, pretty terrible. And then you have a guy pee down your back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they tried to convince me to volunteer at Bonnaroo in 2015. And I said, absolutely not. I'd rather just pay because I'm not going to sweat for you know, four days extra. No thanks. So what did your, uh, what was your overall impressions, not from just the volunteer aspect, your overall impressions of uh, Electric Forest versus Bonnaroo? It's, Electric Force is amazing. The grounds are awesome, which is like Bonnaroo's doing the wear in the woods this year. So I'm really excited to see that, to see how it compares Electric Force because Electric Force is just, it's huge. Like there's like, I think they said like a 12 acre forest that there's like a couple stages in there and you can literally get lost in it. It's, 
It's pretty cool. If, especially yeah. if they had the music that Bonnaroo has. I think I'd go every year, but I like the Bonnaroo, the Bonnaroo music way more, and it's, it's just a lot more fun at Bonnaroo, if you ask me. Just quickly, the volunteer sort of thing. What what's the Were there pluses? What was the advantage to doing it? Um, besides for the free ticket, I mean, that was probably about it. It was our Richard Ford that kind of put us out in the middle of nowhere to camp. We couldn't actually camp at GA, which kind of stinks. But um, other than being able to go to the festival for free and then, you know, being able to, I guess, to help her out and see the behind-the-scenes stuff, that was about the only two good um, aspects of it. I'd rather pay every year. <laughs> when you come to, to Bonnaroo, you come with a group? Uh, yeah, um, me and a couple of buddies here from Michigan uh, have gone the years past, 2014, 15, and then in um, 18, then we're coming back, obviously, in 19. And then um, this year, we're, we have a toss of I. We have a group that we met last year that are all doing group camping. And I would like to do group camping, but my other friends want to stay in GA. We got lucky. We were in uh, Pod 2 or Plaza 2 last year. At some point, you transitioned from going to uh, just Bonnaroo as a, a patron and then into a like a volunteer paramedic. Yeah, did you? Maybe I misunderstood that, Brandon. Have you done the volunteer paramedic at any either of the festivals? Oh uh, no, I haven't. But what I was telling you guys was that it's just I, usually when I go there, like I usually bring my bed bag just in case if anything happens. Yeah. But I also try to I also try to do a good job of looking out for people who might be having too much fun and you know who are running around and looks like they might need a water or you know back at camp I usually uh, usually bring like an IV start kit just in case if somebody's dehydrated around us that needs some help and um, luckily for me with my medical license I get to carry a. A specific drug called Narcan that will, you know, that will bring somebody back if they uh, decide. Hang on a second. Let me write that down. Narcan. (laughs) Pick one of those up on the way. I was thinking. (laughs) uh, I don't know if Brad was in in our camp when this happened, but it was one of those other moments that reminded me what's different about this festival. The the kid that got uh, so high, was it two years ago, and ran across the freeway and didn't make it back. He Mm -hmm. got hit by a a semi-truck. And uh, one of the guys in our camp looked at the rest of us and said, that's his buddy's fault. And that's that's everybody else's fault around him that they didn't take care of him. Uh, The guy was over partying or whatever, you know, and made a mistake. But it's sort of, it's that Bonnaroo mentality of take care of your neighbors and friends. Well, yeah, that is that is exactly what you you seem to uh, walk and talk, uh, Brandon. I, that specific t- case, though, I can't imagine that being if something like that happened to us. I can't imagine that being your fault or my fault. I can't. I, when we say look out for each other, yeah, we look out for each other, those who were struggling, but we can't also make their decisions for them. No, no, you know? no. And, I, and think I can't. It was more the kid had made a bad decision, so you know we we as a community should step up and take care of him. Sure, is the way I interpret it. Sure, and and I we see that we see that anytime somebody like falls apart in the middle of the pit at the what right, right. Uh, you know somebody's going to be pointing and I can't remember the show that this happened, but I'll never forget the way that the crowd reacted when a girl next to me fainted. And literally all of us screamed like, hey, oh, my God, this was in the middle of the day. And even the the, the guy on the stage was like, hey, hey, right. you, she needs help. She needs help. And then that's when the medic just ran straight towards right. uh, straight towards her. And we all just like picked her up and handed her to him. May, I don't know if I don't know what happened to her. I'm guessing she just got dehydrated. But that's the looking out for each other thing that we absolutely, absolutely love and adore about this festival. Yeah, it happens all the time out in GA, too. I mean, like last year we were at Kellis and I was with one of my friends and they obviously know that I'm a, I'm a paramedic. So probably two or three rows ahead of us, or two or three heads ahead of us, some girl fell. 
and they started yelling for her. My buddy started telling like, watch out, my friend's a paramedic, he'll come and help her, which I always do, you know, if I always see something sure. like that or some guy laying in the field in the middle of, you know, the day when it's 98 degrees, then, you know, I always go up to them and make sure that they're okay, at least if I get there before the other people, they have that first line of care, you know, a little bit sooner. Yeah, and you know what's crazy about that? Think about if you're somebody like you who's always on the lookout making sure that, that others are okay, that's really got to change your experience going to the festival as well. You can't necessarily let yourself go, lose yourself in a moment because your eyes are always uh, looking and your head's always on a swivel. Right, yeah. I mean, I always look for it. I mean, I still, I still, worry. I still have my fun, but, you know, just, I don't know. I've always, I've always been like that, watching out for people who just, you know, just need help. And it's, I don't know, it's a, that's just a perspective that I like to bring to Bonnaroo is that, and I hope that other people who are first responders do, is that they, you know, look out for that kind of stuff and they can help people when they need it. I've seen it in big, big examples and small ones where people, you can't ever tell on that Friday, Saturday, or Sunday morning when people are asleep in in, in Centerroo, you know, are they are they passed out, are they, are they having the trouble, or did they just fall asleep, but... Uh, it always seems right. like somebody's sort of checking on right. him. Right. You know? Yeah, there, there is always those moments of, I'm not too sure about him. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Like like the story I told a couple of weeks ago on the show that, uh, you know, a buddy, guy that camped with us went to the gore show, came back in the morning <laughs> right. covered in the gore blood, and the medics thought that it was his blood. They rushed right over to him, tackled him, and took him to the medical tent. Yeah. He wasn't, there's nothing wrong with him. He just was covered in gore blood. Right. Yeah, and I'm, I'm sure there are poor, poor people who fall asleep and keep getting wake, awakened. Are, are yeah. you okay? You yeah, know? I just wanted a I'm nap, fine. guys. Let me napping. take a nap. And there are those people who sleep in Centeroo because they lost their, their wristband or whatever and can't go back in and out, so they just sleep there. But uh, I just think that's a big, big part of the festival is that take care of each other sort of mentality. And it's like that nowhere else. I really don't think it's like that anywhere else. Now, you, we've talked a lot about... You know how uh, identity plays a big part in each festival, but the thing about Bonnaroo is that exact thing. I love hangout and I love shaking knees. I'm not going to be taken care of by by the fellow festival attendees like I will be at Bonnaroo. The culture at um, Electric Forest was was it was it was similar to Bonnaroo, but not as you know. They don't go around saying Happy Forest. I don't have Electric Forest. Not that I seen it when I was there, but at Bonnaroo we all say you know. Happy, happy Rue or whatever. Right. And I went to Mopop in Detroit, which is a city festival, and that was more fun than I thought it was, but it's still not the same as Bob. I don't even know what that is. I don't know, I don't know what that it's, is. It's super small. It's indie rock. Like this year, yeah. um, last year was Bon Iver and Portugal Demand. This year they got uh, Tame Impala and Vampire Weekend. And there's, I mean, there's lots of other ones too. Uh, your first Bonnaroo 2014, you went back in 15, you missed 16 and 17, and then you found yourself back on the farm last year. Uh, I love this conversation, and, and I know Barry will ask you the same question. Uh, from 14 to 18, what were the big differences that you saw? Just the accessibility of the festival. Like, uh, you guys remember 14 and 15 when we went? I mean, there was nothing but porta potties and limited showers and limited bathrooms. And now I feel like, I don't know if we got lucky at pod two, um, but, you know, I feel like that there's a lot more actual bathrooms and not porter potties there. I feel like it's a little bit easier to take a shower. I feel like it's just it's just a better experience overall. I mean, it's, it's I don't know, we had to rough it out those first two years that we weren't. Oh, yeah. You think you think that's rough? And how about 2004, pal? <laughs> yeah, how back. about 2004? Yeah. All right. Let's go back. <laughs> Yeah, yeah you, you if were, you think that's roughing, boy, do I have a story about Dead and Company for you. Yeah, it was more pleasant on the moon. <laughs> yeah, you got to remember, for us in Michigan, it doesn't get anything above maybe ninety five or ninety five times a year. So when we go down there like that in two thousand and fifteen, I think the coldest day, the coldest, quote unquote, was like 
95 degrees, and we were struggling big time. Yeah. Well, how did you make the – so when you went 14 and you felt what it actually was and, and how – this whole machine works. How did you then prepare for 15? So you were a first-timer in 14. How did you change your yeah, mind and, and good make good things def, uh, better for you in 15? Um, I think we, we brought a couple more tarps to kind of put up around our canopy. And then in 14, we didn't think about it. We didn't fill up our gas tank before we went in. So we oh. only had limited, yeah, we only had limited AC. So I know in 15, we filled up our both of our cars that we drove down, make sure we had a full tank of gas, and, you know, we just... Basically, sleep until the sun swept us out of our tent, and then go into the car and try and sleep for a little bit longer. I never even thought about that. Mm. That is a really good point. Fill your gas tank before you get in. Now, uh, I don't. They won't let you bring a, a spare thing of gas, will they? No, they yeah. take that, and uh, that's a great point. Not just for the AC, but you might be sitting in line for six, seven, eight hours, depending on when you right. get there. So you better get that tank of gas uh, before you... Let Most me, people coming from our, our direction, they hit it on top of Mont Eagle. They hit that gas station right Stop on the top. Stop it. Stop <laughs> it, Barry. Stop telling our secret. It's the last one. Stop what you're doing right now. There are certain things that we keep a secret. Do not say that. Well, we're going early. It won't uh, matter. Those little tricks that you find along the way. So more tarps, fill up the gas tank. What else? Which, by the way, let me say something about the tarps. As somebody who is not a handy man, you can tell me that we need to get more tarps, more tarps, more tarps, but tarps don't matter unless you know how to tie the damn things. Yeah, yeah. Unless you know how to pull slack and actually get water to run things, these tarps don't work. <laughs> I, here's what I suggest you do. Find a guy like Brandon, who's a medic, find a guy with a, some some handy skills, and find somebody who can hang a damn tarp, because yeah. it ain't me. <laughs> well, we've told the story, Brandon, and I'm going to let you finish answering because I want to ask what you would recommend bringing from your professional point of view too but uh, we've told the story before but every time I think of tarps last year on that Sunday morning when it rained uh, we sat around dealing with tarps chasing rain chasing chasing rain and uh, (laughs) one of our campmates had a tarp over his tent at the exact instant that a lightning bolt hit a transformer that tarp collapsed on his tent. <laughs> right on top of him as he was asleep. I mean, he, he was trying to sleep through the storm. Yeah. Lightning bolt hits. His tarp collapses. Water drenches his entire campsite. Yeah. It he, was the best. He, we, we, we laugh and say he bas- basically was birthed out of that <laughs> little tent because he, he came out of there. I'm convinced he was going to see nothing but angels. <laughs> It was pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. The sight of a guy who's soaking wet coming <laughs> out. Convinced he's dead. He looked like Ace Ventura 2 coming out of that back of the rhinoceros, man. It was just <laughs> the strangest thing in the world. Eyes wide open, thought he had been struck by lightning. It was just the best. Professionally, what do you see, you know, just observationally that people don't bring or don't do to take care of themselves? Drinking enough water, I would think, would be right at the top. Yeah, I mean, professionally, you just got to just take it easy. I mean, you got four days or five days, depending on, like, we show up on uh, Wednesday morning. So you got five days to have fun. Just just relax. Just try to get through the heat and just, you know, drink as much water as you can. Eat. I notice a lot of people don't eat, especially myself. And just try and stay cool, especially, like I said, if you're from up north like we are and it doesn't get that hot, you just got to stay cool and make sure that you're, you know, we got electrolytes and just do the thing you know don't don't try and get don't try and get too messed up at three o'clock in the afternoon when it's 98 degrees yeah pay, uh, now, pace yourself right? yeah it's that, good pacing don't blow yourself out okay well that brings me to uh, a rookie question uh and i and i will say this 
By the way, we'll do a Bonnaroo first-timer episode, and in Bonnaroo first-timer, I'd love to uh, go through some of the rookie mistakes that we make and talk about some of the things. So if you have a rookie mistake that you've made or a rookie mistake that you've seen, uh, send it to us at thewhatpodcast.com or the what underscore podcast, and we'll feature some next week. But uh, I will say this first and foremost, I've got a two-parter. One, never, 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 never get drunk at Bonnaroo, ever. You can uh, get a little bit. Never get obliterated because there's nothing that will feel worse to you than a hangover in when you wake up and it's 95 degrees. There is no relief from that. It does not get better from there. There's nowhere to go. There's There's nowhere nowhere to to go from hangover at 95 degrees. Don't get drunk at Bonnaroo. And, And if you think you want to, just consider this. Porta potties. Yes. Okay. That's my first part. Second part. If you decide that uh, maybe you don't decide, maybe you stumble in to a uh, drunk night at Bonnaroo and you are hungover. What is your hangover remedy as a trained professional, Brandon? Good question. Well, luckily for me, I have banana bags that if I'm really that hungover, I can just start my V on myself and let it run. So that gets it pretty quick. But- oh, wait. So, so your banana bag, you mean that, that like an IV? Yeah, it's a good IV. It's, it's yellow. That's how we call it. Banana how bag. can I pick like, up some, like, my, some nice. more of my own IVs? That's a pro tip right there. Is that available at Dick's? <laughs> can I get that? Hey, I got a stack of them. If you, you know, if you run into some trouble there, um, you is, just get a hold of me. I'll come and help you guys out. Wow. That is right. a pro tip. That right is there. a pro tip. Find somebody who can give you an IV. A banana bag. <laughs> Jesus. As long as it doesn't come in glass, I think they're going to let you bring it in. Yeah, that's hardcore. All right, no, so, it's plastic. That's it. All right, so if I don't, if I'm not uh, privy to said banana bag, how am I uh, curing my hangover, Brandon? Air conditioning, water, Gatorade, sleep, food. I don't know. It's 95 degrees. That sounds absolutely miserable. Yeah. I think your advice exactly where you know I go at night. Maybe I'll have you know I get to a, a decent point, but stay away from the liquor. Try and just drink beer and just. Don't get too crazy. That's that sounds miserable being that hungover. Yeah. They took away Brad, the best thing, mm. our favorite. I mean, I, it was there that one year for me. Poutine, yeah, has to be a great. Hangover if you thought remedy. now, now look, the poutine was amazing. But if you think that was doing me better after a hangover, <laughs> you are out of your mind. Wow, <laughs> if you think I should, perfect. Yeah, let me let me put let me put on a, a weak stomach some gravy from Canada and Absolutely. some fries. Some Oof. good greasy. Yeah. Mm, All right. There you go. All right. Well, uh, Brandon, we we really appreciate you calling. We appreciate you listening. And Let's uh, ask him who he's looking forward to seeing. Oh, yeah, it's a good point. Yeah, we always go through this. I, I forgot. Whenever we try to talk to uh, podcast listeners and Bonnaroovians, we like to get uh, your picks for the year. So who are you looking forward to this year? Well, this is a, a weird year for me because I've actually seen a lot of the people on the lineup. But I'm really excited to see the Avid Brothers again. Um, I have not seen the Lumineers, and they don't tour very often, so I'm really excited to see them. Um, really excited. I know you guys have talked about it. Hippocampus, I just discovered them maybe three weeks ago, and I am so pumped to see them. Um, you know, Briz is who – I'm. he's from Michigan, and I'm really glad to see them there. And um, Max Marco is another good one. Um, Catfish in the bottom, and I'm, all those kids. You have, uh, you have other people from Michigan coming with you? Yeah, I think there's going to be three or four of us from Michigan, and then in the uh, group that is getting together, I know they're from everywhere. There's a couple guys from California, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Texas, Oklahoma, Kansas. They're they're from everywhere. You're not driving though, are you? Are you flying? Oh, we're driving. Nice, very nice. What's your transport? What's your mode of transport? What do you got? 
<laughs> well, I actually just bought a new car a few weeks ago, and I kept Bonnaroo in mind, and I switched from a uh, Buick LaCrosse, and then I bought a Chevy Equinox, so <laughs> got the uh, hatchback, and, and I, my buddy, he, my buddy Wes, he said, he's seen the new car, and he was like, oh, this is the perfect car to take to Bonnaroo. I was like, That's yep, funny. you know, I kept that in mind. I will tell you that when, when we bought the, the car that I have now, a GTI, I mean, I was in love with it, and I was going to buy this car, but the first thing that, that I stopped myself, when I, when I really came to after I fell in love, I took it on a few dates, and I tried to, you know, re- reset myself. I looked over and said, is this car going to be okay for Bonnaroo? Yeah. It was the first time I had even had a doubt about the vehicle I was purchasing, so and it funny was, had something to do with Bonnaroo. You're considering vehicles based on Bonnaroo. Um, that that yes. tells us how far we've come. <laughs> and I'll never forget, Brandon, I went over to Caravan up with them uh, one year, and they literally could not fit a hula hoop yeah. into the <laughs> I was so packed. I, was needed, so packed. I needed Barry to come by and get this hula hoop off my hands because I just <laughs> couldn't squeeze it one more thing in. So we did that in 2015. We drove my 2011 uh, Chevy Malibu, and there was three guys, and I, it was it was so packed. And then obviously after five days of being there and one shower maybe, the car ride back did not smell Ooh. too good. Yo, that's the that's the other you know tip I'm gonna maybe mention make a note of it for next week. But uh, if you whatever you think that you've packed into the car when you're leaving the house, reduce it by twenty percent because that shit ain't getting back you in the same way. It that is that's, not getting back in the there, same that's, way. That's why we have uh, is it Gearheads? Is that the company here? Yeah, here in Chattanooga. Yeah, Gear. We're an hour away, uh, uh, Brandon and. People like you, that Sunday or Monday morning, it's like, no, it can just stay here. Yeah. They're and not going back in the car. And so they go and collect it and then resell it. It goes to a lot of social programs. So, there you go. Um, but, yeah, we pack everything up, and it's about nine and a half hours down there without any stops. So that's uh, I didn't even think about the long, stinky ride home. I didn't even think about that part. That's a big drive. That's a big drive. Because I'll tell you, there's, there's no shorter drive in the world than getting to Bonnaroo. Uh, and we live 45 minutes away. Yeah, it's really There's no longer drive in the world <laughs> you, than getting home from Bonnaroo. Well, nine hours, that's how it was bad. You sh- we came next to these people in 2015 that were from Maine. And you think, oh, East Coast, it's got to be, you know, 10, 12, maybe 15 hours at the most. There were 26 hours away. I, I could never do that. I love it. No, I love it so much. I do it all the time. Um, but. But yeah, you know, we were talking about the heat. A lot of people who who don't have the kind of humidity that we have, they need to they need to count on that. It is unbelievable. Yeah, it's hot it's, for us. It, it's it's more. Here. It's un, it's the only place that I can tell you. It's like the only people who would be comfortable in this would be somebody that maybe came from the Bayou, the Amazon forest, so, something around the Delta. This <laughs> seems comfortable to them. Other than that, this is going to be rough for you. Well, Brandon, thank you so thank much you. for talking to us, and, and hopefully we'll see you on the farm, all right? Bring a banana bag for me. Put my name on it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. I'll see you guys today. Thanks, buddy. Thanks. See you soon. As sad as it is, everything that starts must also end. Repeat, repeat. Brandon, Barry Corder, Brad, an exceptional day here on the What Podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. And of course, follow along the What underscore podcast on Twitter or the whatpodcast.com. We're down to... Double digits. Isn't it nuts? Like, uh, we've got uh, less than 100 days left until Bonnaroo. And before we go, I wanted to mention something that Rubus dropped a line on from Twitter. And I didn't I didn't want to, to bring this up, but he did. And I thought it was a very valid point. This past week, we celebrated International Women's Day. And Rubus made a very good point. Dear AC Entertainment, in all of the years Bonnaroo has existed, you have not had a female headliner. Wow. That's... 
hit me like a ton of bricks. So, with that being said, of the AC Entertainment people that listen, uh, let's try to do something about that next year. Oh, wow. I hadn't thought about that. I know we got the Brandy Carlisle's. I know we got the Casey Musgraves. I know we got the Cardi B's. And I don't think there's anybody doing it on purpose. Right, they're, right. they're not that kind of group. They're not that kind of people. But it is something that is going to start being right. very apparent if yeah, we if a, we keep going some more years about this. There's all kinds of programs within Centeroo and, and stuff like that that they do. Um, they do a ton. They do a ton. They but do a, it does But it does look strange. Yeah. No, I hadn't thought of it. I, I'm... I didn't either. That's why I, I wanted to mention it here at the end. I, I don't really have any commentary on it, but eh. It would be nice. Maybe. It would be nice. And, and you know, the names are, are a plenty. The Lady Gagas, the Beyonce's, the Dolly Partons. We I, gave we them got Dolly. It. We gave you gold. Yes. <laughs> I know you hadn't thought of that before. <laughs> right. <laughs> so thank you to Jared. Thank you to Kristen. Thank you to their whole repeat, repeat family. The new album in stores, on your computer, in your phone, in a matter of weeks. The new single, Hi, I'm Waiting. Go check it out. Thank you to Brandon. Thank you to you, the podcast listener. We'll talk to you next week. Bonnaroo First Timers. Hey, 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 hey. How y'all feeling? Journey through the stories that define the artists playing Bonnaroo. Who are they? What are they? What will you see? The what? Which bands? This year? That matter. With Brad Steiner and Barry Corner.